The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to the Jewish crowds, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Jews began quarreling among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, whoever eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. It's common in most of our lives. To live a life that's divided into different departments or categories. We have our family life, our business life, our recreational life, and our faith life. And these exist to some extent in different worlds, although they from time to time touch on one another. And most of us, if asked about the center of our lives, might also put that into a compartment. And the center of my life is really my family. For some people, it is their business. For others, recreation. And faith, as I've said before, is somewhere in the middle of it all, but we're not quite sure where. But you know, in the end, if you believe what our Lord has told us, what the Church constantly has reminded us, the center of our lives must be the Eucharist. God must be the center of our lives, 
and God comes to us in the most profound possible way in the Eucharist. The Trinity is the center of our lives. The Trinity dwells within us, but the Word comes to us in his flesh and blood. The Second Vatican Council remind us the Eucharist is the source and font of everything else, the beginning and the end. It's the center of our family life, our business, our recreation. We don't think of it in those terms because we're not really conscious of it, but it is. Strange, isn't it, to think that given the entire cosmos, whose entire expanse we don't really understand and probably never will, the center of that is the Eucharist, this host and this cup. Astronomers are fond of reminding us that um, we're a rather insignificant planet in an insignificant solar system. Really? I suppose compared to size, yes, we might be insignificant, and perhaps our placement as they would see it in the universe. You know, it's interesting. When the debate came about with Galileo as to whether the, uh, as to what went around what, of course the conclusion was, and rightly so, mathematically, eventually, although most people never understand what was really going on in that discussion, um, that the Earth circles the sun. I believe it was Einstein who at one point said it doesn't really matter. All right, that's what it does, but it doesn't matter. It depends on how you look at it. In one sense, in fact, in the most profound sense, because of this, because of the incarnation, because God, the creator of the universe, who sustains it all in existence, all of a sudden stepped into human history. The earth becomes the center of the cosmos. Imagine, this insignificant planet and an insignificant solar system is the center of it all, because he is here. Came, stepped into it, and remained. As Pope Benedict said, I go back to this, we would say, why earth? Why this solar system? Well, as he said, why Abraham and not to the mighty of the earth? Why only to Israel and not irrefutably to all the peoples of the earth? It's part of the mystery of God that he acts so gently. He chose to make an insignificant planet and an insignificant solar system the center of the universe, as God sometimes does. He likes to choose weak things to do great things. And so he has. God has come to earth. And we accept that as the center of our reality, the center of who we are. I was looking at a book the other day, and it was was saying, you know, our movie theaters are packed. Our stadiums and our athletic courts are full. Our lecture halls and our classrooms are, too. And yet, so few people want to spend any time with the Lord in his body and blood, in the Eucharist. Him we will prefer to ignore. I think part of that is because, again, God has made himself so available, so easy. We get get rather used to God being here. 
And in some ways, I think, too, there's another problem with this that I've mentioned before. I'm going to mention it again. There are people who will de-emphasize the Eucharist as though it really weren't at all that important. Imagine. The body, blood, soul, and divinity of the risen Christ isn't all that important. Out of fear. I think sometimes our world is afraid. This is a great mystery. In fact, very often the greatest disputes in the church and in history have been over the Eucharist are afraid of a God who loves that much. They are afraid of divine intimacy. They are afraid of divine friendship because it's unsettling. When we're in his presence, we can't pretend anymore. Oh, I t- in a sense, we can't. We can pretend when we're alone. People do it all the time. Uh, that's why they run around going to therapists trying to find out what it is that they're pretending, that they aren't, or that they are. Uh, but in front of the Eucharist, we can't do that, can we? We really can't pretend, if we're, really, if we're honest. He sees straight through us, even as we can't. He does. So that's why we come here, to be changed, to be transformed. And he does it in his own way, in his own time. Uh, and you and I have this great mystery to proclaim. Most of my homilies, virtually all of them, come back to the Eucharist because, as I said, it's the center of everything that we do and are. Nothing can change us more certainly than the Eucharist. Nothing can transform us, not just spiritually, but psychologically, emotionally, physically, than the Eucharist can. And, as I said, and yet we don't ever take advantage of that healing power. There is a great room for healing in our world for psychologists and psychiatrists. But it is not a substitute for the real healing that comes from the Eucharist. We're going to go off to therapy. Maybe we all should, because we're all damaged goods because of original sin. We should come here first. Then we can go off somewhere else. But we begin here. You know, I was reading a book the other day, um, and the author, it was a, a priest, had been a professor at seminary in New York, Dinwiddie, he was saying, you know, we, we, we say that God comes down to us in his body and blood. God comes to earth. And that's true. But there's another way of looking at that. And that is that our Lord takes the bread and wine up to himself and through his own power totally transforms its being so that there is no bread and wine left but only himself And then he is present to us. And only the appearances remain. The appearances. appears, looks like bread, smells like bread, tastes like bread, feels like bread. They remain. In fact, the appearances, he said, are the border between heaven and earth. I never thought of it quite that way before. The appearances are the border between heaven and earth. If you and I could pierce through (coughs) the appearances, for a moment we would find ourselves in the kingdom of heaven standing next to our Lord, surrounded by the angels and saints. Or to put it another way, this one always kind of strikes me as really powerful. If our Lord did to the appearances what he did to the bread and wine, then at the end of the consecration, when the words were finished, the chalice and the paten would be empty. And the Lord would appear in all of his glory, and the history of the world would have reached its conclusion. That probably won't happen today. (laughs) Because it hasn't happened yet. But that doesn't mean that it won't. There are many things that 
haven't happened yet, that are going to happen even today. Uh, But for the time being, you and I will simply have to realize through faith uh, who is present. And we will process after Mass today, weather permitting, around our property, uh, carrying him with us. The world around us, as to quote Abraham Lincoln, uh, will little know or long remember what we've done. But we're doing the most important thing in the world today. We're taking the creator, the center of it all, out into our little world um, to transform it. Well, as St. Thomas said, when we sing the Adoro Te, that first verse, I think, strikes home. He says, Devoutly I adore you, hidden deity, under these appearances concealed. To you, my heart surrenders self, for seeing you, all else must yield. And that's true. As we process around here, everything else will fall back, because nothing can take his place, and nothing can overcome him. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you rejoicing in the body and blood of your Son, and trusting in your love and mercy. For the Church throughout the world, that responding to the glory of the Father, her members will always be more visible signs of the Eucharist they receive. The world may know him through that Eucharist, especially the Church persecuted, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For all fathers, especially the fathers of our parish, they will always more perfectly reflect the fatherhood of God, even as they receive the body and blood of the Son. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For all nations of the world, especially our own, they will once again revere the role of fatherhood in the family. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For all those who are sick and suffering, the lonely, the frustrated, and the confused, that they may find in the Eucharist the source of healing and a sense of purpose. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have wandered from the Eucharist, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For a greater respect for human life, especially the innocent, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, Today in particular, for an increase in vocations to priesthood, those young men who will accept the call to make Jesus Christ present in his incarnation, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For a greater respect for the role of grace in marriage in the single life, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For our administrator, our new bishop, that God will send us a good holy bishop for his intentions, for our priests, deacons, seminarians, and the American hierarchy, that they will be visible signs of the Eucharist, visible signs of, what, of who they bring to earth, we pray to the Lord. Lord for the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, who all have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. <laughs> May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed 
and for all of us here, that the Eucharist will so transform our lives that we will live in the kingdom of God in a different way and be visible signs of the kingdom yet to come. We pray to the Lord. Lord, We now join our prayers to those of the mother of the Eucharist as we sing. Mm -hmm. 